they come back so much fitter um, and so much more pumped in terms of, you know, oh, I really want to do well. You know, the, the encouragement they get from the coaches is really good. The camaraderie they get from actually going away as a team is strengthened. Yeah, the children just get so much out of it. Welcome to Swim.Rocks, the show that shares information, ideas and inspiration between swimming people who stay dry. I'm your host, Ben Ramston, and today I'm talking to Liz Booth about organising a swim camp. During our conversation, we talk about the organising team, the daily programme, the menu, sources of information and advice, and when and how to get started with organising, and what the kids got out of it. Okay. So let's get on with the conversation. Now, Liz, you have a professional corporate background, but I know you and your wonderful husband, Darren, as being the two people that seem to have done an enormous amount running the swim club for uh, for many, many years. And by the way, brought up uh, four kids at the same time, all of whom seem to have at least got wet at some stage. Some of them... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> well, three of them have got wet anyway. <laughs> did, did the fourth one not get wet at any stage? Oh, he learned to swim, but he didn't compete. <laughs> He he's not competitive in any way. <laughs> no, no competitive streak. He takes after his mother in, okay. that, in that sense. <laughs> so you, you're not competitive yourself then? Oh, no, I'm not even sporty. <laughs> if, when I was at school, there was no sport. <laughs> no, that's just not me. No, no. I would drown in the pool. I could not swim. I hated racing. I hated athletics. Yeah, no, that's not me. <laughs> Sounds very similar to me. I hated sport as a kid. Oh, there you go. And you're even worse than I am. You're involved in more more things than I am. Well, obviously somebody decided that I needed an average dose of sport in my life, so I'm playing catch up now. Well, I mean, I don't know how many um, how many how many places I've sat in the sideline: basketball, softball, netball, you know, cricket, touch footy. You know, all the different sports, I've just sat there, I've scored, I've done all sorts of things. But yeah, that's just not me in terms of playing them. But yeah, I enjoy watching it, enjoy watching the children do it. So given that you've Mm. sat on so many sidelines and seen so many different sports, Mm. what is it about swimming then? What, What was the moment in your life, looking back, when you actually became as committed to swimming as you, you have been? Um, I think it was probably... It happened when the previous race secretary decided that she was going to move into state. So she moved up to Queensland with her family um, because of her husband's job. And um, I got asked to be race secretary. So that's when I got heavily involved personally. Um, Darren was involved as registrar many years prior to that. Uh, I suppose I've sat on the sidelines, sat in the stands for a lot of years um, I remember when Rebecca first started swimming, when they first asked her to train, I think she was about oh, six or seven. Yeah, I think she was in year one or year two. And they said, oh, you know, she's a really good swimmer. You know, we're going to put her in squads. And I remember when they told me, you know, she needs to train three times a week. I said to her, you know, if this swimming takes over our lives, we're going to just stop. <laughs> and that's just what it did, but we never stopped. <laughs> so, yes, I said, you need to make sure you do your studies and you need to do all these other things, but if swimming takes over, that's it. We're, we're stopping. 
So yeah, no, just didn't happen. Yeah. So yeah, I think when I got involved as a race secretary, um, that's when I really got involved with swimming. Yeah, and I quite enjoyed doing that. So there's lots we could talk about. The thing I really wanted to talk to you about was swim camp. Okay. Now where I come from which is obviously the UK, mm-hmm. a camp always involves tents. Mm. And because it's the UK, it usually means cold, wet, rain, mm-hmm. unless you're really lucky and the sun might come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, camps in Australia, I've learned since getting here, don't involve tents, or not very often. Mm. It's more just a, I say just, it's a go away somewhere and stay somewhere for a number of days and do some sort of activity, which, mm-hmm. is, which is swim camp. Um, but that's my rather noddy description. Can, can, can you describe for us what, what swim camp is all about? Just describe what it, actually, ex- is what it actually is, yes. Okay, so my limited experience of swim camp... Um, limited? How many have you done? <laughs> Four. But, you know, I didn't have any experience prior to doing that. Uh, so when Nicole decided she was going to take on swim camp, I just volunteered to help her. Um, just because I did and so between the two of us we talked to other swim camp managers so we talked to Mailing and sort of picked their brains about how they did and how they ran it and you know all the good suggestions and stuff like that so using that and just putting together some ideas of our own and obviously input from the coaches we came up with um, a plan for how to create do all the meals while we were away um, and I, I guess over each successive swim camp that we did, we we knew what we did wrong or how we could improve it. So it was really exciting to try it again <laughs> the next time with those improvements. Um, but of course, every time we went to do the next swim camp, it was either a different location. So the setup was slightly different. Um, of course, different people, different numbers. And even in the end, it was different coaches. So, yeah, over the time we've learned, or well, Nicole and I learned, um, how, to, how to run a swim camp. And, yeah, so that's what we did. We, we did food. We, we just basically helped the coaches do whatever they needed doing, really. And in terms of what the children did, they got up very early in the morning, uh, got on the bus, did a good two hours of training, and sometimes they would run back to where we were staying. Other times it would be just get back on the, the bus that was taken there. Um, we would have breakfast all ready for them. So we would have, um, what did we have for breakfast? A whole plather of different fruits. So we had um, things like watermelon, rock melon, strawberries, grapes. I think for the first camp we had peaches, um, yeah, a whole lot of different fruit. We had a selection of yogurts. We had a selection of cereal. Uh, we offered eggs, so fried eggs, um, and toast, toast, jam, Vegemite, all that sort of stuff. And so the kids would then come back from their swimming. They would hoe into breakfast, and then what would happen was there'd be some chat by the coach. Then they would go off. Um, maybe have a 10 minute break if they were lucky but generally they would come back and they would do some other activity be it uh, some sort of exercise program that the the coaches had or it'd be oh let's go for a surf or let's go for a run on the beach or or doing something but it was always physical it was they never had much downtime and then they would come back from that it'd be lunch so we did wraps 
um, with different deli meats and things like lettuce, carrots, tomatoes, all those sorts of things. Kids would have a quick lunch. They might have half an hour rest and then it would be get ready for um, (laughs) another afternoon activity of whatever it was and then it would be get on the bus, do two hours of swimming, come back, have dinner and that's where Nicole and I we, we'd have our sort of dinner plans worked out for the length of time we were there so we'd already have dinner in the oven and or on the barbecue or whatever it was ready for when the kids came back and then they would do a night activity and go to bed and we'd do it all again rinse and repeat yep yep that's all we did but the kids had fun you talked about you and Nicole it sounds like that partnership between the two of you has been a sort of vital ingredient of, uh, of putting it together. I mean, is, that, is that something you'd encourage anybody organising oh, a camp to do? Absolutely, absolutely. Nicole and I knew each other from club, from being on committee together, but didn't know each other really well, but well enough to do camp together when we first started. But, you know, after the first camp, we we were really good friends. You know, we, we, we shared a room together because... We had a, a house where the managers and the, the coaches all stayed together. So we shared a room together and we literally spent all day together preparing the food, you know, cleaning up, running around, doing all the stuff, doing the shopping, doing the cleaning, you know. So, yeah, we, we had a really good time and we just got to know each other really well. And after four swim camps, we got to know each other really, really well. <laughs> so it was good. And, and we, we worked really well together, you know, we... Um, there was no, no one was boss, but we, we sort of, I guess, knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. So I always treated Nicole more like the boss because she was the one running it more than me. Um, but she'd always come back, oh, Liz, you know, how do you think we should do this in terms of food or whatever else? Um, so we, we just did things together. You know, we, we worked really well together. Yeah. Now, at the beginning, you mentioned Mayling. Mm-hmm. Um, just to be clear, she's run camps for another swim club. That's right. So talking to other people in the community that have run camps clearly was a was a great thing oh, for you to bonus, do. Big bonus, big bonus. Yeah. What are the, where are the best sources of information? Would you say for people that haven't done something like this before? Is, is, it, is it literally phone a friend like you described? I think to start with, definitely phone a friend, um, talk to other clubs, talk to other people, just get suggestions because. I suppose every coach has their own idea of how they want camp to run. You know, they have their own ideas of the activities they're going to run. I mean, that was mainly the, the coach's job was these are the activities and they would bring the relevant, you know, assistant coaches and exercise physiologists or whatever you want to call them that come and work with the children in terms of their dryland program. But in terms of food and just setting up and preparing... Um, certainly the first camp, having mailing, having, having sort of picked her brains, really made a difference um, because that just helped us, I suppose, work around it. You know, using her suggestions and working around how that would fit in with what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do things. And over time, you know, we've kept some of those suggestions and, you know, we've changed it and improved it because you've got to tailor it to your own campsite, really. And even, you know, within ourselves, you know, we had our first camp at Coffs in a caravan park and that was really hard because <laughs> we, we caught the train up there and then all the food was driven up and it was like the foods were placed in all different cabins 
you know, all around the campsite. And because we never knew, you know, where are the cucumbers? Where are the carrots? Where are the whatever? You know, we'd spent a lot of wasted time running around looking for things. And then someone suggested to me, it wasn't, it was, I think, Darren's sister-in-law, because they're they're in catering and they're in food. Somewhere along the line, I thought about um, a a mobile fridge. And so we we hired a fridge, hired a... um, what do they call it? Those uh, cool room. We hired a cool room, which comes along on a back of a trailer or on top of a trailer, and so that's what we did for the the camps after that. I don't know whether they did that on the the last swim camp that was run because I wasn't involved in that, but certainly from our point of view, it was the best thing, best you know money we've ever spent because we knew where it was, you know when all the food arrived because it was driven up. Um, it was just all loaded into the fridge and it was just one location, basically. So yeah. the game of Hunt the Cucumber was over? Absolutely, absolutely. It was in a cool room, you know, because when it was put in one of those fridges in um, the uh, caravan park, it was one of those fridges that had the icebox above above the fridge, within the fridge itself, and we had frozen cucumbers. <laughs> so it was like, oh, well, we have to throw those out. So this way, we with the cool room, we never had frozen cucumbers. Everything was kept at a really good temperature. And, you, you know, you can walk straight into it, so it holds a lot of stuff. So it really made a big difference for us. Yeah. Now, to the uninitiated, all of this can seem very overwhelming. Mm. Um, I was just making some notes on my way here. I was thinking, you, I was thinking, where would you start organising? You need a pool, you need accommodation, you need to work out the travel to get there. Mm. You need the organising team like you, you and Nicole. Um, how far advanced should you be starting to think about these things? And how, how, would, you, how would you get started? What's, the, what's well, the best way of doing it? I guess as soon as you know, or as soon as the coaches tell you, if it's your first time, as soon as the coaches tell you they want to do a swim camp, then I suppose the first thing you've got to do is get the buy-in from the parents that they want to do it. And depending on where it is, I guess you've got to work out how you're going to get there. So, as I said, the first camp we did was at Coffs, and we decided to catch the train up there, probably from a cost-effective point of view. Why was Coffs chosen? I'm not sure, to tell you the truth, why Coffs was chosen. And just to be clear, we're in Sydney, Coffs yeah. Harbour is sort of... A long way by train. Six hours by train, was <laughs> oh, it? Oh, no, it was more like 12. Oh, 12 hours by train. <laughs> it felt like a lot. Well, it might not have been. It might have been more like nine, but it felt like a long way. And it's, it's, on the, it's next to the sea as well, isn't it? It was. It was on the beach. We were actually at Emerald Beach Caravan Park, I okay. think. Yeah, so that's where we actually stayed. And there's a nice pool. There's the Olympic pool in Coffs as well, isn't there? I think, yeah, they went down into Coffs itself. So we stayed outside of Coffs. Yeah. Probably a tad too far outside of Coffs okay. in terms of the transport to and from the pool. Um, anyway, yeah. so that was how you got your location. Yep. Um, so you're looking for pool, accommodation, travel. It sounds like you're juggling all these things at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it's like a family when you're going on holidays. I mean, so I have four children, so we're a family of six. So, you know, you've, you've got a large family too. So any family holiday, you've just got to start from scratch. You know, you go, all right, well, where are we going? How are we going to get there? You know, costs, all those sorts of things. Oh, better book the tickets, better organise it. And it's just that same sort of thing. I mean... Well, within the family, there is some official, unofficial hierarchy and you can at least (laughs) all get around the table and discuss it. Oh, no, no, I organise it all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. I'm thinking about with swim camps, you've got different stakeholders. You've got the swimmers... 
you've got the coaches, you've got the parents, you've got you as organizers, you've also got local pool managers and local yep. accommodation managers yep. and to, to deal with. Yeah. Any tips about how to do that? Um, Nicole did most of that, but I think a lot of it is ringing around and organising it. So, yeah, as I said, Nicole probably did the bulk of that organising, but I think a lot of input also came from the coaches in terms of um, activities that they wanted, like um, the coaches wanted to be near a beach, right? So that was the bo- that was the thing they really wanted because then they could use the beach for some of their activities. Um, I think Rebecca's been on camps where, you know, they're nowhere near the beach. You know, I know there's times when they've thought about doing the high altitude camps and stuff like that, which we never actually end up doing, but I know that Abbotsley used to do it a long time ago for ICSA. Um, so, yeah, so the coaches wanted, wanted near a beach, so that was the, the, the first criteria. And I guess a lot of it comes down to, well, how much do you, as a parent yourself, um, as a swim parent, how much do you really want to spend on a camp? And there is a limit, right, that people course, yeah. will, will spend. And if you've got multiple children that are swimmers, um, you know, do these parents want to spend that much money on, on sending two, three children, however many they've got, on a, on a swim camp? Yeah, so that limits the travel and the accommodation yeah. budget, doesn't yeah. it? And you don't want to spend too much time travelling, Right, so in the end, our camps after coughs were all up at um, around Noosa and then Phrygian Beach. So the children would fly from Sydney to Maroochydore. So they would fly, so what's that, a couple of hours at the most flight? I don't even know how long it is now. Um, and what Nicole and I would do is we would fly up the day before and the minibus that came from school would come up, um, leave a couple of days prior, to, probably even the day before us, so then the bus would meet us at the um, campsite prior to the children arriving. And just to be clear, the mm. cost of flights is they're remarkably cost-effective, certainly compared to when I was a kid. Mm. You didn't mm. used to fly anywhere in the UK because mm. it was just ridiculously expensive, well, and it was a small mm. country, mm. still is. <laughs> uh, in Australia, the flights seem a bit more affordable. Well, they're more affordable, but the earlier you book them, the cheaper they are. Yeah. Right, so... Coming back to your previous question about when do you start, um, I would start as soon as possible because if you're deciding to do the group booking with the flights, then you really do want to get your numbers um, organised and get them in as soon as possible with, with the airline because every day that price can change and mm. it generally goes up rather than down. So what are you talking about, six months in advance, 12 months in advance? Oh, yeah, a good six months if possible. Let's see. I think the accommodation so, now we're in a bit of a, a routine. It's we're in a routine. It's generally booked about yeah. every 12 months. Well, it's booked at the time that you're actually there on the on that swim camp for yeah. the next year. Um, but the first time, I think we first did time was... Actually, the, I think we ended up with Emerald Beach because Nicole ended up ringing around different places that could accommodate 35 people. I think that's really what it ended up being. That's where we why we ended up at the caravan park. That's an interesting conversation. I've got 35 people I want to uh, book yeah, in for... Yeah. During the school holidays. During school holidays. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I think she just started going north until she got... I to... think pretty much that's what it was. And that was similar when we ended up getting Phrygian Beach as well. Um, because we, we had a campsite or, you know, accommodation sorted out, which I think is where Willoughby used to go to. They may even still go there. 
and we thought, wow, this is a really good place. We really enjoyed it at the time we were there, except for they ended up selling one of the, the houses, um, which is why we couldn't do it afterwards. But we liked the area, and so that's why we kept going back to the Noosa Pool that's there. And Perigian was, I think it's about 9K, not even that probably, from on the other side of um, where the pool is. Mm-hmm. So, you know... We worked out where all the, the local Coles supermarkets were, so had to be close. <laughs> so we knew what we wanted to do. We knew you know, where we had to go for our, our groceries and stuff like that. Yeah. We've talked about a lot about organising. What benefits have you seen for the kids that go on camp? Oh, for the children. Amazing benefits, I tell you. Um, yeah, really amazing benefits. When Rebecca went on the first swim camp with, with Leanne to to coughs she was having a bit of an issue in terms of you know change of coach and all that sort of stuff um she came back from that a completely different child she had newfound respect for for leanne and she she swam her heart out she she did really well in fact she did the best time she did at state summer state um for a very long time so yeah that was really good they come back so much fitter um and so much more pumped in terms of, you know, oh, I really want to do well. You know, the, the encouragement they get from the coaches is really good. The camaraderie they get from actually going away as a team is strengthened. Yeah, the children just get so much out of it. Yeah, I think and they have a really fun time, you know. One of the things we do um, is when, after they've, uh, when, the, when the children arrive at camp, they, they do their last text or phone call to mum and dad to say that, you know, we're here, we're safe. And then all the phones get turned off and put in a box and um, they don't have access to their mobile phones or any devices until we actually fly back, until the um, we're sitting at the airport basically or just about to get, get on the bus to go to the airport. And the children really appreciate that. They, they really have a good time without their phones. They don't need them. Yeah, it's the best thing I think is to take those phones away because then they actually have to. Oh my gosh, talk to another person, you know, interact, play a game, you know, go and do things. Actually, you know, physically, you know, talk to somebody. It's it's quite a challenge sometimes, but you know, the coaches do a good job in terms of trying to. They put them in teams, and you know, they they get them to to do competition against each other. Be it just a, a board game or a, some sort of game that they play around the the campsite or even you know point system in the pool you know who's the the swimming warrior for the this session all those sorts of things so there's all this sort of friendly rivalry that the children have and it helps them swim better and then you know when they sit down to have their their meals they're they're moving around and they're you know talking to different people the whole time so they're really getting to know these other children that they're swimming with, their other teammates that they might not have really got to know in the past. You know, so that bond is, is strengthened for the children. It's a very positive bond. Yeah, they're very positive camps. Yeah. So as you can tell, Liz is a very enthusiastic and capable swim camp manager and I really appreciate her taking the time to talk to us. So the purpose of this podcast is to share information, insights and inspiration between volunteers like us in swimming. I hope to encourage more parents to get involved in our sport, making it easier and better for all of us.
Now, this is a bit of a labour of love for me, a bit of an experiment. If you like what you're hearing, then it would really help if you could give the show a five-star review on iTunes. That will help promote the show within the podcasting search engines and therefore allow more people to find it. It also gives me some more encouragement. And once we have a large enough audience, I can find sponsors who can contribute to its production costs. Anyway, that's it for this week. Next time, we'll be looking at the use of Facebook in swim clubs. In the meantime, stay dry. Stay dry.